Captain Kirk. Fascinating. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Thank you, thank you. Love you. Most illogical. I saw. Well, that was different. Yep, rousy, but different. Places, please. And here we go. Welcome, ladies, Gorn, bears, chicken, and things to episode 18 of the Muppet Trek podcast. I'm Jarman. And I'm Steve. We are here to compare, contrast, and confer about our two favorite franchises. And Jarman, what are those? Those are The Muppets and Star Trek. And we do one-to-one reviews of The Muppet Show and Star Trek, the original series. And this week, we have special Muppet Show guest, Mummin Shantz, or The Mummin Shantz, <laughs> and the original series episode, Arena. Yes, and, and why don't you tell us about a Muppin Shantz, the Muppin Shantz, or Muppin Shantz? The Muppin Shantz. The Muppin Shantz. <laughs> Muppin Shantz. Uh, so they're an experimental theater troupe that's been performing together since 1972. They've had multiple people switch in and out of the ensemble over the years, but the sort of core has been the same, except for one of the original members did die uh, to AIDS some time ago. Mm. Uh, and um, just a few months after they did this show, they did a three-year run on Broadway. Dang. With over 1,300 performances. 1,300. That's insane. But what do you, does our generation know them from? <laughs> this episode of The Muppet Show. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And maybe an episode of Sesame Street they were on. Fair. Fair enough. But that's it. Uh, but let's talk about them in this episode and this episode in general. The show opens with one of my all-time favorites, Scooter and Floyd Pepper singing Mr. Baseman. Just that, that it's in my top 10 without a doubt. And Scooter has a great voice. I didn't realize that till now. Oh yeah. Richard Hunt. Yeah. He's got, he's got some pipes. Yeah. Uh, this week backstage, Piggy finds a note from what seems to be a secret admirer. She's sure it's gotta be Kermit. She goes into her dressing room expecting to find him. And then bam, it's Gonzo instead. Oh, and she is just disgusted. Next, we get our first taste of mum and shots who do a sketch with different facial expressions drawn on pieces of paper on their face. I'm making it sound lame, but it's actually a pretty neat sketch. Uh, backstage again, Gonzo won't leave Piggy alone. He is all over her, and she wants nothing to do with him. He wants her to touch him, and she chops the crap out of him. Hi-ya. After this, we find ourselves in a library where the librarian conducts an impromptu symphony of noises from the library goers. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. On stage again, we get our second serving of Mum and Chance. It's sort of a cool body puppetry montage with a few masks. They turn themselves into kind of strange creatures. Hard to explain. Oh, with Kermit in between, right? Saying they yeah, do this kind of weird introducing stuff. them. Yeah. Uh, next, we find ourselves at the dance. The best joke this week is when Animal's date says that her watch isn't running, and he proceeds to run her and drag her all over the dance floor. <laughs> Following this is a musical number of an eel singing "When I'm not When I'm not near the fish I love." It's a neat effect where they put actual fish tank in the background with chroma key. It's pretty cool. Good chroma key, yeah. Surprising. Afterwards, we get a strange talk spot with Kermit and Mum and Shots, but they don't speak, so it devolves really quickly. Once again backstage, Kermit asks Piggy if she would be interested in dinner and dancing. When she says she would be so excited, he pulls the rug out from under her and hurts her feelings by saying that Gonzo would love to go with her. Mm-hmm. We then get our weekly introduction by Sam the Eagle of Wayne and Wanda. This week they're singing It's Only a Paper Moon. Wayne starts singing until the moon made of paper crashes down on him and hurts him. Afterward, we get a Venda face where Statler gets his face rearranged and ends up just punching him in the face. Yeah, and Venda face to remind them what that is again. It's a somewhat reoccurring sketch. It's going to come up more and more. Uh, it's it's like a vending machine with hands that like changes your looks. 
I didn't it's know always I, some bit. I didn't make the connection of vending machine and vendor face. I was like, why is it called vendor face? That makes sense now. Yeah. Um, backstage once more, uh, Piggy scolds Kermit for tricking her. Gonzo tries to t- touch and swoon over her the entire time. She screams at him repeatedly. Kermit then turns her down again at the end, and she chops the crap out of both of them. The Muppet News Flash this week is that the oldest man at 196 years old celebrated by taking a deep breath, and then it revealed that his family does not visit him. That's very sad. sad. Very sad. We then get another time on stage with Mum and Shantz. This time they went with masks made of raw clay where they two kind of compete molding the mask as the sketch goes on. Uh, one of them is making a nice face. The other one makes kind of like an elephant man monstrosity of a face. And it's a neat concept, but it runs out of steam really quick. Uh, finally, we get the send off from Kermit who introduces Bum and Sean's unmasked. And that's this week's episode of the Muppet show. Yes, indeed. All right. But let's talk a little bit about the music on this week's episode. First, we have Mr. Bassman, As I mentioned, one of my all time favorite Muppet song ever. Made famous by a guy named Johnny Symbol, but the super important bass band part was originally sung by a guy named Ronnie Bright. He was the bass singer for groups like the Cadillacs and the Deep River Boys and the Coasters. The Coasters mm. got their big start with the song Searchin', which was just on the last episode of The Muppet Show. Yes. When I'm Not Near the Fish I Love, it's a parodied song of a similar titled uh, song, When I'm Not Near the Girl I Love. <laughs> it's from a musical I've never heard of called Finian's Rainbow. I haven't either. About an elderly Irishman who comes to America to bury a pot of gold, <laughs> thinking that it'll grow. But then it turns out a leprechaun followed him, and the treasure belongs to the leprechaun, and he's got to get it back before he turns into a human. Weird. Yeah, never heard of this thing. <laughs> it's only a paper moon from uh, an old Broadway show called The Great Magoo that actually failed pretty hard. This song really found its popularity when it was recorded post-World War II by the likes of Nat King Cole and Ella Fitzgerald and is now considered a jazz standard. Oh, yeah. Frank Snatcher's going to cover that, too. Yeah. So, John, what did you think of the Muppet Shants episode of The Muppet Show? Well, it's funny. When we first started this whole podcast, I remember you... Uh, pointing out this episode in particular as being weird, like they have some unusual guests, and this was one of the ones you mentioned, because um, there's already some obscure guests, but this, these people are even <clears throat> obscure by those modern-day standards at the time. Oh, yes. um, and it, you know, as you said, uh, Jim Henson giving this interesting puppetry kind of mask uh, performance group a chance to be exp- exposed, and you know, and it probably did help them, you know, get some more exposure and a lot more tickets sold on Broadway. <laughs> I hope so. But uh, I, I actually ended up enjoying it a lot more than I expected. Um, strangely enough, I think I feel the opposite way about their first number, where they're basically taking off post-it notes off their face to show different expressions. I don't think they timed it very well. It didn't seem like... Okay. I feel like they didn't... They weren't... It didn't hit really well. I think I, this, I was losing the plot of the storyline, what was supposed to be happening between these two people the whole time. Um, whereas the weird creature scene that was pretty short in the middle, that was pretty good. Interesting looking. I didn't know how they did some of that stuff. And then I really enjoyed the clay one. I, I do agree it could have been shorter. Um, it, it just it evolved. And I was like, oh, so one's being good face. The other one can't do it as well. And then it just evolved into both of them just like mangling their faces. Yeah. And I felt like that section went on for forever. Because the original plot of it is really the guy had almost like a guy fox mask molded into his almost, face. Yeah. Um, and it looked great. And then the other guy's trying to mimic that. And he's really bad at it. And that's just a really fun concept. And they did some amazing work with the clay without being able to see their own face. Oh, yeah. um, but then, yeah, towards the end, it's like, okay, they're going back and forth. They're just making big mushes of each other. But it ended funny with them kind of sl- smashing their faces together. And, you know, 
Um, and what's cool is my girlfriend who teaches uh, drama to middle school kids, they're doing a puppetry section right now in class, you know, obviously distance learning right, right now. <laughs> and she had found that mom and Shant's, uh post-it note number when she was doing her research and she was thinking of showing that to her students before she even knew we were going to watch this. So that was pretty crazy. Okay, cool. So they, mom and Sean still has some YouTube power, apparently. <laughs> wow. They got that pull, huh? They do. Um, and I like, and actually I did laugh out loud a couple moments that for some reason, the paper moon falling on him still made me laugh, even though we know something bad's going to happen to Wayne and Wanda <laughs> every time, every time. And, uh, I really loved how annoyed that piggy was by Gonzo. She's like finally getting a taste of her own medicine. Of her. Yeah. Gonzo was really, th- this might be the first big, I'd say breakout episode for Gonzo. Truly. Yeah. He hasn't got much screen time yet. And even the other ones that featured him, like the one where Scooter became his manager, even that was pretty tame compared to this. Like this was real. Yeah. And it's also weird for me because we went first and watched all the movies with our other podcasts of Play on Nerds. And I hadn't seen many of them. And in all those movies, Kermit's just already in love with Piggy. So it's not really a problem. They're already an item. Yeah. Yeah. She's already she's overbearing and stuff and still hits him and gets mad. But it's weird seeing him in control kind of and be like, nope, I don't like you. And just pushing her away in all these episodes. So. But yeah, overall, I think this is, you know, a, a, you know, top middling episode for me. That's fair. That's fair. I think it's weird. I think it's cool that Jim gave these people a platform to do this, but I don't know. I think this might be towards the bottom for me. Okay. I, I like seeing list. the weird puppetry, strange performances they did. So I kind of like that. Yeah. The sideshow is fun sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Uh, so, Jaron, tell us about this week's The Original Series episode we watched. All right. So this one is kind of also a classic. We've had a lot of classics in a row now called Arena. And many will know it from the famous Gorn that Kirk fights in this episode, which we'll get to about halfway through. So in this episode, we have the Enterprise headed to Cestus 3 to apparently have some kind of weird swanky party with the commanding officer there because Kirk and Bones are like all excited about having a drink with this guy. Um, But when they beam down, they find the colony completely destroyed on Cestus 3 and they have no sign of the commanding officer who was just talking to them on the ship. So it's all very strange. Um, the voice also had told them to make sure to bring down some tactical officers, which was odd, and they didn't know why that was happening, and only Spock was questioning it. Uh, they find one survivor so far, and he says that they were destroyed by an unknown enemy. Uh, the landing party finds themselves also under bombardment by these faraway cannons they can't see where it's coming from. And, of course, two red shirts die, as, as happens, you know. <laughs> like they do. Like they do. Uh, Kirk finds a leftover grenade launcher, which apparently Starfleet has, uh, and uses it to scare off the remaining alien troops, uh, which they still can't see. But once they shoot off this big ballistic, you know, kind of laser grenade, uh, they can sent the sensors see that the aliens are leaving and going back to their ship and they're taking off at warp speed. So Kirk and his crew go back to the Enterprise and try to chase them down. Um, and they eventually get to this part of unknown space. And all of a sudden, both the alien ship and Kirk ship just lose power entirely. Um, and they're contacted by this mysterious voice, once again, some overpowered alien race <laughs> called the Metrons. Um, and they come on the view screen and say, we are going to make you fight the captain of the other ship because you've infringed on our space. And the only way to solve your problem is to fight to the death. And whoever wins, their ship will get to go away scot-free and the other person will die and their ship will be destroyed um, because they've invaded on on Metron space. And they're, they're calling us primitives again, which happens so much in Star Trek. Uh, so Kirk suddenly disappears, making Uhura scream in terror, and he appears down on the planet below, and he discovers the alien he must fight, which is the giant Gorn lizard-like creature that we've all seen in pop culture for many years. Uh, they scrap for a while, Kirk gets his butt kicked pretty bad, and he realizes the only way he's going to beat this giant Gorn thing is if he uses his mind and kind 
comes up with something inventive to beat him. Uh, the Gorn finally uses the translator device that the Metrons gave them, and he says, Just give up, and I will kill you quickly. Uh, Kirk says that the Gorn are butchers for destroying the defenseless colony, but the Gorn counters that the colony was an invasion of Gorn space, and they were just defending themselves. They thought they were being invaded by Starfleet. Uh, so Kirk soon figures out that the materials on the planet can be combined to make some kind of gunpowder. And he uses a big bamboo tube and puts the materials in there with some diamonds as bullets, which is crazy. <laughs> uh, they actually did this on Mythbusters in 2009 and said it wouldn't work at all. Mm. Um, <laughs> he waits for the Gorn to come and then shoots him with his uh, makeshift gun. Uh, the Gorn is gravely wounded and Kirk decides that he's not going to kill him. He's like, I don't care what you want me to do, Metrons. I'm not going to kill this guy. Uh, and this makes one of the Metrons appear, and he's this androgynous, like, uh, godlike-looking creature. Um, yeah, kind of like an elf, almost. Yeah, a little bit. And he has, like, a weird dubbed voice that's not his voice, obviously. Um, and he says he's surprised by the mercy mercy that's shown by Kirk. Um, and he asks Kirk if he wants them to destroy the Gorn ship now, and Kirk says no, that he wishes to communicate with the Gorn people and reach some kind of agreement. So the Metron says that humanity is still half savage, but there is hope and that they should contact them in several thousand years when they're up to their standards. Um, so Kirk's transported back to the ship and they are suddenly several hundred parsecs away from Metron space and the Gorn are nowhere to be seen. So that's a uh, arena. <laughs> it's, it's a mouthful. It is. So just a couple of little things of trivia here. Uh, William Shatner currently suffers from tinnitus. Uh, he talks about that in his book as well, but it was due to an improperly timed special effects explosion on this episode that he's had tinnitus okay. the rest of his life. Um, this is also the first episode that proton or sorry, photon torpedoes were used, which is kind of cool. They're there for the rest Neat. of Starfleet history. Um, also his first reference to Starfleet, um, in an episode, which as is Starfleet. Yeah. They keep saying weird names in the previous episodes. Now it's yeah, going to be Starfleet unified space group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they finally figured it out. Uh, and for our UK listeners, this is the first episode to be broadcast in color on the BBC. Uh, the rest before this were in black and white. And the comedian uh, Ben Stiller has the prop Gorn head in his house because he's a big Star Trek oh, fan. Oh, legit. The original. Respect. Yeah. So, Steve, what do you think of this monumentous episode? So, the, the things I liked. <laughs> uh, lots of fun explosions and effects. You don't get all that in all the, the Star Trek episodes. True. It's a big scale episode, and I like that. Uh, another thing I really enjoyed, it was really cool to see Sulu participate more. True. Aside from being a pirate or shooting a gun he just found on the ground. <laughs> like, I feel like every time, other time he's gotten to shine, it's because he's doing something ridiculous or outlandish. And it was fun to see, like, yeah, he got left in charge. Yeah, that is true. I didn't think about that. Uh, things I maybe disliked a little bit. It was really kind of confusing at the beginning. They go down, suddenly the ship is under attack and they're under attack. A guy literally runs over to a corner. And then, like, disappears in a flash of red light. And Kirk yells, take cover. And then he runs directly over to where that guy just disappeared <laughs> from. Like, I was like, what's the... Okay. Um, That's true. That guy disappeared. And then later on, they're using ballistics. Like, do they have a laser? And then now they're using explosions? That's true. I didn't think about that. Right. That's weird. Uh, and then this perfectly illustrated sort of an overall problem with the writing I found in Star Trek. And I think I'm identifying this more and more. And it's specific with Spock. Mm. So whenever a scene is dialogue, and I mean true dialogue, just between him and one other character, there is no way for the scene to escalate naturally because of how flat he has to play for the logical side of things. 
Interesting. And it forces Kirk to get outraged and go over the top on seemingly weird moments. Because if the scene was between two human actors, they would be, they would be building off each other. Okay. I think I see what you mean. And have but a little back and no, forth. Right, right. And so I think that that might be part of why Shatner's acting in the original Star Trek gets seen as so overblown is because there are some weird jarring moments when him and Spock were fighting on the ship about what to do. And he like, he like Kirk raised his voice a little bit. And then there was this like, Wah, and they cut over to her <laughs> who was like, Oh, blown away that they just had that explosive moment, but it didn't get there because Spock wasn't building it. And I'm finding it more and more. And I think uh, throughout they, the show. you think you're right a little bit and it gets better. I think later on, but also in the movies, I think they perfected a way to have a back and forth with them without having Kirk have to explode every time. So I think you're I think, right. Yeah. And, and in scenes where there's a third person, like bones is probably the, 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 the most common mm-hmm. third it things escalate perfectly because bones can escalate with right. Kirk and Kirk can be smarmy and bones can be the angry curmudgeon. And then it right, kind of right. Works together. And, and Spock can play the flat man. But when it's just Spock and someone else, the other person always has to escalate yeah, or, and get real racist <laughs> get so racist every time. <laughs> Um, it's a good point. I so like I think that. I think that's just an overarching, and then this falls into the, epi- the that group of episodes I dislike of of we are an advanced race, silly humans. You passed the test. This happens like five you times now. Understand. Goodbye. <laughs> this happened five times now. Five or six times at least. And that's exactly how the episode is in. Some like Deus Ex Machina random alien shows up and like laughs at their futility <laughs> and then drifts off into space. We're only at episode 18. This has happened like five or six times. Um, so that's another reason maybe I dislike this one a little bit because it falls into that category. Yeah, Shore Leave is the old guy. He's like, hey, we're just a vacation planet. You're just a primitive human. You would understand. And then, yeah, the last episode is like, oh, sorry, our son. He's a, he's a godlike being. You wouldn't understand. Uh, so, yeah, that, that I really enjoyed this episode for its um, silliness and the old costume of the Gorn. And it's just kind of um, iconic. Uh, but it is not very high up on my list as far as a good episode. Because you're right, there's just not a lot of great writing moments, not a lot of great originality. Um, but it's just it's kind of fun and funny at times. And like you said, action sequences, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah it's, you, some big moments. It's towards the bottom of the stuff we've watched so far, though, I think, for first season. Fair. I think, yeah, I put it in that category, too. Nice. So, German, I've got some great, great Trek connections. This I'm week. so excited. In a, the Next Generation episode called Skin of Evil, mm. featured a dark, evil looking creature called Armus. And apparently, the design team that originally proposed was going to be like a wacky Mummin Shantz inspired creature. <laughs> really? But then they, they pitched it, and, and then they decided that was a terrible idea. Because <laughs> it's Mummin Shantz. Because <laughs> it's Mummin Shantz. <laughs> Uh, in December of 2012, Shatner was rebooting his one-man stage show in Chicago. At the same time, Mummin Shantz was also performing there. That's hilarious. All right, here's the here's the most interesting one. Gary Combs was a stuntman and one of the performers of the Gorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only did he do stunts later on Wrath of Khan, but he went on to be the stunt coordinator for a ton of movies, including History of the World Part 1 and Dracula Dead and Loving It. Both Mel Brooks films, and as we all know, Mel Brooks made a cameo in the Muppet movie. 
Wow, that one was a long walk. <laughs> Ooh, it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon in here. Are your legs tired from that long walk? <laughs> oh, man, I got to stretch next time. <laughs> That's pretty fantastic. That, that, those are the best ones I could find. <laughs> That's wonderful. So, so we have similarities. Similarities, yes. Uh, I think you have one more than I do, so you go ahead and go first. I do. Both feature someone trying to push someone away with while they are being held. Piggy with Gonzo and Kirk with the Gorn. <laughs> Uh, both episodes have one of the main characters using karate on a monster slash alien, uh, Piggy and Gonzo and Kirk and the Gorn. That's right. I, that was my second one, too. They both got chops. Uh, both feature strange and alien creatures, the Gorn and the weird creatures from the Mummenshots. <laughs> they are strange alien creatures. Uh, both have people of different backgrounds and communication methods that had to learn how to communicate with each other. Kirk and the Gorn, and then Kermit and Mummenshans during the talk spot. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Basically the same episode. Yeah, it really is. Oh, God, what's oh. that? Transporter Ooh. malfunction. Transporter malfunction. So now it's that part of the episode where we take one character from one episode and transport them to the other episode and see what happens. Just make that chaos go on. Uh, <laughs> so what you got for us, Steve? So I said we take one of the Mummenshant's paper faces that you didn't like mm-hmm. and you swap them for the Gorn. So they're facing off against Kirk and they're getting closer and like drawing angry eyes on <laughs> and putting on a mean face and then winking at him. And then Kirk just punches it in the face and it's, right, the fight's right, over. It's so good. <laughs> uh, what about you? I had Gorn, the Gorn trades places with Gonzo pursuing Piggy, but nothing uh, is translated. Uh, he just makes those noises the entire time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so I say you take the Gorn and you uh, replace him in the weird animal cameos sketch on the Muppet show. It's like, what about this weird one? And they cut and it's just the Gorn. That's amazing. I have a piggy trades places with Kirk because she is also great at the karate. <laughs> oh, she just her, her, her helplessly chopping the Gorn. Yeah, just jump kicking him and chopping yeah, that's a good one. That would be fun. So I think that brings us to the end of episode 18 of the Muppet Track Podcast. Join us next time for episode 19 of the Muppet Show with special guest Juliet Prouse. And original series episode tomorrow is yesterday. So from the lovers, the dreamers, and us. Live long and prosper, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Muppet Trek Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. This podcast has been brought to you by A Play on Nerds. Uh-huh.